He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And we have a packed show, even though it is the quote-unquote offseason in the game of golf. Golf never sleeps as we always talk about fellas and I think we got to start the show off by first saying what an awesome tournament the pro scratch was fellas I got to give a big shout out to Tom Jones Ryan Munson Rob Land everybody out at Oak Tree that put on such a great event we'll get into the actual golf here in a second but I wanted to start right off the top of the show saying a big thank you to those guys and the golf course fellas was absolutely immaculate um Victor Hovland and Ian Davis end up winning the golf tournament at eight under par. They shoot 69-65. They ended up winning in a playoff over Zach Boshu and Conrad Walcher. If that doesn't tell you how tough this golf course is now, T-Dub, nothing will because you have the FedEx Cup champion, and he is playing with one of the best amateurs in the world and all they could muster up was 69-65. 20-mile-an-hour north wind on the second day, 20-mile-an-hour south wind on the first day, fellas. Oak Tree is back to being one of the toughest courses in the world, and we got to experience it firsthand. Uh, we can dive more into the tournament, but I just wanted to lead it off with that, T-Dub. Oh, I'm extremely jealous, Sam. I bet you guys had such a tremendous time up there. Some of the stories that I've heard of what occurs is truly legendary, and I hope that is a tradition for y'all can keep on going forever. And yeah, to your point about how hard it played, as you mentioned, the FedEx Cup champion, Ian Davis, best, one of the best amateurs around right now, is eight under par. That's it. Are you kidding me? There was only 15 teams that, shot, that were able to break par. Some of the names of players who were not able to, professionals and then some of the best amateurs around, them combined still could not muster under par. So many of the teams couldn't, but it's absolutely crazy. I've seen Oak Tree play extremely hard when I played the transmiss there in 2012 for the final round. They set it up as tough as you possibly could. But even seeing these scores now, I think the course is probably a little bit harder, and I didn't even think that was possible. Oh, it's harder. I guarantee you it's a lot harder. I I, I was, you know, what little I play now, I, I almost don't even want to go out there because it just beats you to death. Um, I, I wasn't shocked. I mean, eight under still pretty good with the 20-mile-an-hour north wind and then a 20-mile-an-hour south wind or vice versa. But, uh, you know, that golf course, they said all along, if they go to those Bermuda greens, it's going to get it's gonna get dastardly, and it, it is that. So I, I think it was a great event. Uh, I wasn't up there, but I heard a lot of people talking about it. And uh, like I said, the only thing I was jealous of is I didn't want to play the golf course. I'm happy you guys did. I just wanted to eat Gino's food. Gino's food. Now, we got to talk about this for two seconds. Guys, Gino not only put on a buffet for everybody, he had a buffet of filet mignons. Are you kidding me, Woody? No, he's that good. <laughs> he's not scared. He he can cook 300 of them, and they're all 300 good. How he does it, I, I still don't know how he does it. 
he's, he's been my friend since he came to Oklahoma 20 some odd years ago. And I'm allowed to say, you know, he's a derelict. But boy, that boy can flat. I can tell you that. He is a stud when it comes to making food. No doubt about it. So, fellas, I'm sure some of our listeners are wondering how I did and Matt Mabry did in this golf tournament. We ended up finishing tied for 26th out of 38 teams. So not terrible. Fellas, we finished the first day. Best ball format, by the way. I don't know if we mentioned that off the top of the show. Best ball format, and we shoot three over 74 the first day we get done, and we're like, we didn't play that bad. There's just no birdies out there. Second day, we played great golf. We go out and shoot even par best ball. Uh, Fellas, I was kind of impressed uh, with how well we did. Obviously, Mabes is going on to second stage uh, of Corn Ferry Tour Q School coming up here in a couple weeks. I actually helped Mabes on a few holes, fellas, and I was kind of proud of it. It's one of those things. Now I get to put the clubs away for another six months and come out of retirement uh, when something is necessary, right? (laughs) You don't know what you're going to play, and I like that. What's tremendous to me is I think you guys did great. I don't think there's anything to to look back on and say, well, you know, I mean, you probably could have made a couple more putts here or there, but how you actually finished with considering how much you played now, Sam, is I thought was very good being able to shoot even par on that second round. But what I want to do is right now, I want to sit back and just listen for just a little bit between the teacher and the student right here on exactly how Woody's lesson went. I want to know exactly the extreme details of what you were working on, Sam. Woody's lesson was awesome. I was striping it on the range. I took it out to the golf course, and I played absolutely horrible. You know why? Because I haven't practiced, and I didn't have time to practice before this event. So what did I do? I just went out and I played golf. Uh, Didn't really think about anything. Tried to find the fine line of the aim and fluid, like you guys said, and it worked out pretty well, Woody. So we'll have to get back into working on some of those changes. But at the end of the day, I just went out there and tried to get the ball in the hole. And that's probably the, you know, P-Dub, that, that is probably the most important thing for our listeners to hear. You know, you can't think golf swing when you go to play golf. You can't, you can't be thinking about your golf swing. You got to just play. And, and I got to tell you, P-Dub, we, Sam, he just had some alignment issues. His golf swing wasn't all that bad, but his alignment issues kind of caused his golf swing to get off. So, if he would have just spent a little bit of time, got some practice in, he probably would have made some more birdies and played a little bit better. I don't think he was going to get Victor and uh, Ian Davis, but no chance. Uh, he's a good, he's a good student, and he was he was doing his best. But I think what you did, Sam, was perfect. You just go out and try to find whatever you can and get done with the round the best you can. No doubt about it, especially when you're playing players of that caliber. You can't be out there thinking golf swing. you got to play golf. I think that's a good lesson to all the weekend warriors out there, uh, amateur players out there playing at your local munis or your country club championship or whatever. You can work on things on the range, but if it doesn't feel comfortable on the course, just do what feels comfortable for that round, right? Don't try to uh, do something uncomfortable for for 36 holes. You're going to have a bad time. Make those changes on 
the range. And yes, Woody is exactly right. The reason why I wasn't able to transfer it to the golf course, fellas, was because when I look up at my target, I couldn't tell where I was lined up because I lined up so far left for so long. That's what Woody and I were working on. It's just going to take some time. Couldn't get that done in a week or two, but thank you, Woody, for giving me a great lesson. But yeah, that's it's kind of one of those things that we don't talk about that often, Woody. I think that's a pretty good thing to talk about for a couple minutes here. Well, it is, it is, Sam, because I think that's what, you know, one of the guys I used to love to talk about putting with was Ben Crenshaw because in my day, he could, he could putt better than anybody I'd ever seen. And he always used to say, why are you trying to copy somebody else? You need to just get up to what feels comfortable to you. And I'd say, well, I feel like I'm aiming way left or I feel like I'm aiming way right. I just don't feel like I'm aiming very good. He says, are you comfortable? And I'd look at him, I'd say, well, not really. And he goes, well, just stand till you get comfortable. And for me, it was really the more open I got, the better, more comfortable I felt with my putter. And I said, but aren't I way too far left? He goes, that doesn't have anything to do with being a good putter. To be a good putter, you have to have the right speed and you have to learn how to read greens. And so that's kind of when you get to put your golf swing, Sam. Being a great golfer doesn't always say you have to have this perfect golf swing, but you have to have a golf swing that you trust. And so that's why you go to the practice range and practice. You try to build something that you can trust on the golf course. It doesn't always work, but that's the whole idea behind it. But once you're on the golf course, you have got to just figure out how can I get this ball somewhere in the fairway and somewhere on the green, and then you go from there. No doubt. And I want to add this too, real quick, T-Dub. I want to add this because I got the lesson with Woody just as like a checkup. Let's see where I am three weeks out from the event. I haven't played any golf and people are going to deal with this when they get out of wintertime. But the number one thing I did, this crash course to try to get ready for a golf tournament, the number one thing I did, fellas, was go to the chipping green, get my feels back, get some touch back and that definitely saved me a ton of shots on a golf course where you're going to miss a whole bunch of greens. Oh, I, I completely agree. Cause the short game, at least for me and what seems to be most people in general, whenever you don't play for a while, that's what really leaves you. You can kind of time your swing every once in a while. Right. And then on putting, it's really just not necessarily luck, but some days the putts fall in and some days they don't. So I definitely agree that anywhere from probably 20 to a hundred yards, you need to be working on that consistently. If you're in a situation like you are saying, but one thing I noticed and very, very interesting to me is that I have worked with anywhere from elite college players to up to 35 handicaps. And it seems like every single one, 85 to 90% of the players are, their problem is that setup. And someone like you, Sam, who just, your alignment can get a little bit offline. And then you have two things that you're dealing with there. One is the mental commitment of not knowing where you're at. And it's, if you're trying to hit a shot when you're not committed, especially on a course like Oak Tree National, good luck. You're not going to have a very good time. But then you have natural hand-eye coordination that takes place. So if you're lined up even three yards offline from where you think, your body's going to try to do things, especially at the bottom of your swing, especially with your hands. And that's going to create a lot of timing issues. So that's something that I, I found very intriguing is that it doesn't matter what level of, of golf that you play seems like setup causes the majority of problems. So a lot of times people can overcomplicate things. But if you go out on the range, they set the alignment stick down for a reason, make sure you're lined up very precisely. Because even if you're just the slightest bit offline, your body and mind are going to do things you don't want them to do. Yeah, you're spot on there. And 
one of the things you guys got to remember when we talk about the basics of golf, that's your grip, your alignment, your posture, and ball position. Those, those, those four things right there are pretty doggone critical. And so I, I think what's so hard in golf, what still fascinates me, it'll fascinate me till the day I die. I always look at my students and I say, you know what's crazy? That ball doesn't move, does it? And they'll look at me and go, no. No, it doesn't move. It's one of the few sports where the ball just sits still. It doesn't move one bit, gentlemen. The targets you're shooting at. It's not like that green shifts every 10 seconds, 15 yards to the right, 15 yards to the left. That, those targets never move, and the ball never moves. Yet when you watch, and what you're learning now, T-Dub teaching people, you've you got a lot of years of going, what in the heck are you lining up at? But it's amazing to me that people can't look at their golf ball, look at their target, and set their body online to it. It just, I see it every day, just like what you're talking about, T-Dub. So I think people got to realize, guys, you're probably playing up. I've heard major baseball players say trying to hit a round ball with a round bat is one of the most difficult things you'll do. But if it is, I guarantee you golf's a really close second, really close second. No doubt about it, fellas. And to wrap up the pro scratch, I got to give a shout out to Sam Stevens and Hunter Markham, who I played with the first day. Those guys were awesome to play with. Can't wait to see what Sam does in this uh, fall series, the fall events on the PGA Tour headed into next year. I think he's in 71st right now on the FedEx Cup points list. You also... uh, We also played with Sam McNaughton and uh, Tyson Reeder. Those guys... We're definitely a team to uh, to contend with because Sam McNaughton played for a long time now. If you don't know who that is, that's pretty much everybody's agent uh, who is on the PGA Tour from around Oklahoma, including uh, guys like Ricky Fowler. I could go on down the list. Awesome guy to play with. And uh, Tyson is one of the most athletic golfers in the world you're definitely going to see his name headed into the future one of the friends of the show obviously here on the 73rd hole I was just going to read off the top five here in the pro scratch it was Victor Hovland and Ian Davis like I said battling out Conrad Walcher and Zach Boshu in that two-hole playoff Ian Davis ended up making a 15-footer on number nine the second playoff hole to give him and Victor the W. In third place, you had Robert Streb and Danny Mitchell. Danny Mitchell, an awesome amateur from around here in Oklahoma City, hit some unbelievable shots. Uh, We'll have to tell you about when we have more time. Taylor Moore and Trevor Stafford, young staff and team Moore end up finishing uh, solo fourth place. And then tied for fifth place, you had Live Zone, Peter Uline, and Tyler Leone. And then you had uh, Andrew Beckler and Cale McFarland there tied for fifth place. So shout out to those guys. Great playing this week. And like I said, a ton of great names. And if you want to hear all the great names that were in that golf tournament, go back and listen to Ryan Munson on our last podcast. Uh, any final thoughts on the Pro Scratch, guys? All I can say is I wish I was there. It seems like an absolute great time the golf course sounds tremendously uh, overly difficult and honestly especially with how much the wind blew so sounds like a great time but it sounds like Woody, the thing that i really missed out on was all the food well the food was i guarantee it was fantastic i i'm thinking that with such a good year this year with this pro scratch we're going to build from there and that's what i'm excited about i know we're never going to lose ryan munson's enthusiasm all you got to do is listen to our last podcast and know how how excited he was about it so i think with the people we have in place at oak tree national what we got going on up there 
And with this many tour pros that we've got either on the tour, on the corn ferry, or right there, uh, I think the pro scratch is going to be very successful for a number of years. No doubt about it. And the highlight of the week for me, fellas, Hovland saying drink out of the FedEx Cup. So I got to drink a little Coors Light out of the FedEx Cup, and so did a lot of the other guys in there in the bar after, uh, I think that was after the practice round of the first round. The week was a blur, fellas, but yes, uh, I have never felt more out of place in my life, but that was definitely a bucket list thing that I got to cross off, T-Dub. Oh, yeah, seeing the uh, the video of the FedEx Cup drinking is extremely impressive. you got to think about it. The amount of golfers in the world and the amount of people who have actually drank beer out of the FedEx Cup is the point oh 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 one percent So very lucky, Sam. Seems like a very cool life experience that you hopefully never forget. By the hey, way, Sam, really boy, heavy. We, it's really heavy. It, it, it looked like it. It looked like it was really heavy. I, I, would, I would tell you that your next goal, and it's up to Victor, because I know none of us are going to get it for you, uh, you need to clear a jug. And then that, when you when you drink out of the Claret Jug, now you've really become a special type of guy, okay? That's right. So let's pull for Victor to win the Claret Jug, and we'll go from there. Sometimes with some of the stuff we do with this podcast or in radio, sports talk radio, or just events like this that you get invited to, some of the – the circumstances that you were put into, you feel so out of place, but I'm so thankful uh, to have great guys like that. Hovland and Ian Davis end up winning the Pro Scratch and gave everybody who was out there a ton of great memories. Shout out to everybody at Oak Tree. Fellas, let's get into the number one story of the day, which is John Rom is not going to be a part of the TGL anymore. Uh, any mention of John Rahm has been wiped off the at TGL website in addition to their social media pages. John Rahm had this to say on his ex-account. He said, quote, I am sad to confirm that I will not be participating in the first TGL season. While I still think it's a great opportunity right now, it would require a level of commitment that I can't offer. Best of luck to everybody involved and may the best team win. We're about to get into the format that has been announced for the TGL, but that's a big loss, fellas. And do you think there's any more to this or... Uh, I'm sure that rumor after rumor is going to come out about John Rahm turning down millions of dollars to be a part of this TGL. Do you think he really just wanted to spend more time with his family, or do you think there's more to this, T-Dub? I think there's very few options as the reason that it could be. I think there's there's three. I think that he could say, well, money just wasn't worth the time that he would have to commit. Maybe he doesn't want to spend more time with his family. I could halfway understand that, but I think that's probably the least plausible thing. The second most plausible is I think that it's just a contract dispute. Maybe he just wanted more money and said, well, if you gave me this price tag, then, that, then he would do it. And maybe they didn't reach that point. But, Woody, I think the number one and the, the clear favorite in this whole deal is that he's going to go to live. I can't think of any other uh, higher percentage reason than the ones I just mentioned that live would not be the reason because every single high-level PGA Tour player essentially – is in the TGL. And for the TGL, it's an extremely big loss. If you, he's one of the best players in the world, bar none, reigning master champion. You would want him to be part of that league, especially starting out. Obviously, Tiger and Rory are going to carry most of the load, but that's still a, a huge name that you'd want to have. So, I don't know. If you look at the odds in Vegas on the reason it would be, and 
the percentages that John Rom would potentially go to live, maybe be part of the Fireballs team with Sergio, absolutely skyrocketed in the last 24 hours. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you'd be a fool if you didn't think that might be on the play or on the table. Um, I, 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 Rom has been the one guy you guys has not bashed him in any way. He is, boy, he has taken the high road. And I know that's partly because of his friendship with the Mickelson family, but I, I still, he had an ample opportunity to bash live on numerous occasions and has never done it. So, well, you know, everything's been so quiet, uh, since after Miami, uh, you know, we have had no rumors of anybody leaving the PTA, going to the live. Nobody from live really uh, saying I'm going to retire or not going to play next year. I mean, it, we had that zip, zero. So, um, I, you know, it's <laughs> something's got to happen in the next few weeks because they can't stay that quiet. There's just no way. I think a lot of the uh, quietness probably has to do with the fact that these guys are literally at home just enjoying some off time with their families after you know how grueling this PGA Tour or live schedule is uh, week in, week out on the road. I think guys literally go home and disconnect from the world. Now, fellas, I feel like I am pretty connected when it comes to these live rumors, live uh, anything really, right? I, I'm broken news in the past and two different opportunities to break news nationwide about live things. Because I am connected, I do hear most of these live rumors. I haven't heard one rumor prior to John Rom leaving TGL about John Rom going to live. Uh, and I still haven't. So on paper... On the face of this announcement, it does look like that's a possibility. However, I feel like I might have heard some rumbling about this. Maybe not. Maybe they're being extremely tight-lipped since he is one of the top three players in the game of golf. What I do know, fellas, is Liv has been offering massive contracts to the PGA Tour's top players over the offseason. So whether that includes John Rahm and whether John Rahm took that offer, who knows? But... If you just think that Liv is laying down and not offering these guys massive amounts of money up front to come to Liv, I think you would be kidding yourself. And I think that this could be a possibility. I'm not saying uh, that it's the top possibility, but I'm also not, I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever if John Rom did turn down the TGL to possibly play a Liv schedule next year. And, and I think Part of the quietness, fellas, might have to do with the fact that nobody knows what the heck is going on as far as, you know, when is the merger going to take place? Because as far as right now, both the PGA Tour and Liv are operating as completely separate entities. <laughs> if you didn't hear our news on the uh, official World Golf ranking last week. So uh, nothing would shock me is my conclusion at this point, T-Dub. What's very interesting is that whenever the merger got announced back on June 6th, the initial agreement said that the Liv would stop recruiting players from the PGA Tour. And then when we had the Department of Justice step in and try to get their hands into it, then all of a sudden that was removed So because of antitrust stuff. So very, very interesting here. And I would honestly be pretty shocked that there's not at least a couple of, of players that do make the move, especially with how the announcement of the merger took place where literally none of the big names knew that was happening, which was another shock to all of us, essentially. So, I don't know what it, it's uh, It's a weird time in the game of golf. There's a little bit of a shadow cast on it just because we do not have so much uncertainty about the future. I just, I just pray 
at the end of the day, what does happen will be the best for the game of golf, and I do think that that will be the case. Oh, I hope so too, buddy. Yeah, I think all of us really want that. I, I guess when you really look at it and you study this deal, and I think a lot of these pros, you can't tell me they didn't look at, at this finals after the year was finished. Victor Hovland made $33 million, okay, which is a lot of money. Taylor Gooch made $35 million, guys. So, I mean, he played less and won more. After reading Morikawa's little statement about he was more excited to get on the TGL, uh, I now am going back starting to think that uh, Patrick Cantley, I think he was wanting money. Sounds like Shoffley was wanting money. These guys are so greedy now. It's all about money. And and after watching some of this, and especially what Morikawa said, I'm never going to pull for the U.S. team again. Those worthless sacks are garbage. Uh, those guys are worthless. They have no pride in this country whatsoever. They they care about their dollars. They want to make money, okay? I'm going to go Europe every year. I'm pulling for Europe from now on. I couldn't stand the PGA Tour. So, um, Let me stop you right looking, there, Woody, real quick. You're talking about yeah. the whole hat gate stuff with, uh, with Kelly. You're talking yeah, about talking all about the stuff it. from the Ryder Cup to make that clear to the listeners. And I also wanted to yeah. make one more thing clear. One guy that wasn't bitching about not getting paid to play in the Ryder Cup, that would be one Brooks Kepka. I was just going to throw that out yeah. there. I know. And, and the guy that really wanted to play, Lucas Glover. Another guy really wanted to play. That's Keith right. Bradley. Until I get guys that really want to be Americans and want to play for the United States and not for their blooming pocketbook, which all these guys are that way now, I think they all need to have to go to war and get shot at. Then they might realize how lucky they are to be in the United States of America. So I'm not for them anymore. I think they're all greedy. I don't think they care one bit about playing for the United States. They're still wanting money. How much is enough, guys? How much money do you need before you feel like you don't need any more money, for crying out loud? I mean, I, I hate to rant. I, I told you I wasn't, but I, I can't help it. I'm just so disappointed in the Americans. I really am. I just, I just so sick of their greed. And when I look at what we're talking about with Rom and Liv and all this, what do we always say? Follow the money, guys. Well, how do you knock a guy like Taylor Gooch? We 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 defended him. We said, hey, good for him. He's going to take care of his family. And guess what? That's what he's going to do. Now, when you think of John Rom, he's won the Masters. He's got exemptions. So these majors aren't a big deal. He's going to get in all of them, whether he goes to Liv or not. A guy like Victor Hovland on the other hand, he's going to get in a few, but he's not going to get in as many as he would have if he'd have won a major championship. So, yeah, as of the current rules, yes. Yeah, as of right now, the way the rules fall out. So, when you look at a guy like a superstar that's going to maybe go and go to live, Rom fits that M.O., guys. He He's, he's in all the majors. He doesn't have to worry about it. He's always said he doesn't like playing as much as they make him play. He was one of the first guys that started last year talking about, I don't know if I like this deal. I got to play this. I got to play this. I got to play this. I don't know. And then, by the way, real quick, 
John Rahm ended up playing all the tournaments he was supposed to, and Rory McIlroy didn't. But go ahead. I know. I know. Isn't that crazy? So here's what I'm saying. What we do know, we don't know anything. <laughs> and so we're just like we were in June 6th when they announced they were going to merge together. We said, okay, we'll see what happens. Nothing. Nothing's happened. So we're going to have to see what, 2024 brings, if we get a big announcement of a guy that's a big name, if there's a one big name that I think still might go, it's John Rock. There's a lot to unpack with what Woody just said. I agree with a lot of it. I would play devil's advocate with Woody on one thing. I don't blame guys for chasing the money, and here's why, T-Dub, and I'll kind of ingratiate one of our other topics into this TGL discussion. Um the 2023 Masters averaged 12.058 million viewers with a peak of 15.01 million viewers between 7 a.m. and 7.15 p.m. Eastern during the final round. Now, fellas, we just had the World Series, and this World Series is the lowest-rated World Series in a long time. It only averaged 8.2 million viewers and you see some of those baseball contracts I have no problem whatsoever with guys on the live side or the TGL side getting paid guaranteed money which is exactly what the guys on TGL are doing they're getting paid guaranteed money and it's the TGL is partnered with the PGA tour so it's a it's a workaround way to get these guys paid guaranteed money now I don't blame any of the players for any of this. The only thing I've ever said bad about this TGL T-Dub is they won't come out and say, this is how we're paying our guys guaranteed money. I tend to agree with you, Sam, in the sense of if you if you have the opportunity to get more money, I think you should take it at almost any time. I, the exception I would have is if you're trying to do something for your country, I, for the longest time up until I heard that and I'm the biggest Tiger Woods fan in the world, but he was really the first one that advocated for the players getting paid for it. And I get it. He's a, trans- he's a transcendent icon in the game of golf. So I can understand at least wouldn't have a conversation if maybe Tiger Woods should get some money for his time. But at the end of the day, you're representing the United States of America. That should have some pride involved. As you mentioned, there'd be plenty of other players who would have wanted to play out there and not wouldn't have taken a dime for it. It's a classic example of if you're recruiting high school football players, would you rather get a five-star who's extremely entitled or the local three-star guy that has a lot of pride in what he does. And I would say a little bit more often than not, the, the three-star with that much intensity would play a little bit better. So, and then there also one of the things we're talking about money as well. We know that the live players like Bruce Kepke, when he won a major, he got more money from live because he won that major. And I would be highly inclined to think that for anyone making the Ryder Cup team for live, that they would be getting money for that too. So, I don't know exactly on that deal. I would just assume that that was the case. Yeah, I don't have a problem. I don't have a. I don't have a a problem with guys chasing money by any stretch of the imagination. But Woody, when you're trying to represent your country, I feel like you can take a week out of your life to go try to have some pride and be. What What's crazy too is that we've talked to a lot of people who have played in the Ryder Cup, and they all say that it is the best thing that they do in the game golf. They say there's nothing like it. So you spend one week of your life to go do something that you'll never forget until the day you die. I think that's worth it. At least it would be to me. That's all I'm saying. I don't. I don't. I don't mind if Colin Marikawa or Cantley or Chalfley they they don't have any pride or they don't really want to play for the United States. They want to get paid. Then they need to sit at home. 
I'd rather go to the live and get Kepka, and I bet you Taylor Gooch wouldn't want to get paid. I bet he'd go and he'd bleed red, white, and blue. All I want is I want somebody that if I'm in a foxhole with, isn't going, well, you know, if I get up and get shot, I'm not going to get my $50 million, okay? Now, I don't want that guy. I'll go down the list. I'll go 50 deep in the United States team. And I bet if I got guys like what you said, that three-star that's hungry and really wants it, guess why Europe always beats us these days? Because they really want it. Our guys are prima donna, entitled. Everything I hate about the United States in general right now, everything I hate about it is everybody thinks they should get something for doing nothing. And I'm sick of it. And that's why I say... I don't want those guys on my team. I could care less if they ever play on the Ryder Cup team again. Go get me somebody that really wants to play and put him on the team. No doubt. And I think I was trying to – I understand what you're saying now, Woody. You're just talking about Ryder Cup week. You have no problem with guys getting paid guaranteed money for their, you know, year-long salary on either the PGA Tour or Live. Just to make it clear to the listeners, because we're talking about three separate things right now. We're talking about TGL, which we'll get back to in a second – Ryder Cup right. and then live, right? You're just talking about Ryder yeah. Cup guys should be able to play for one week for their country and not worry about the money. Yeah, that's what I meant by that. I, I, I'm more power to all those guys. If they can go out and get $100 million contracts, go get them. I'm all in for that. But that one week that you're going to represent me, you're representing me. I live in the United States of America. I don't want some guy going over there and half-assing and being mad because he didn't get paid to be there. Stay at home. Give me a guy that wants to be there. That's all I'm saying. Totally fair point there. Woody, uh, T-Dub, any final thoughts on that before we hit a break? Yeah, as you mentioned, we kind of combined three different things there all into one. But at the end of the day, the players should do what's best for them. Whenever you put the United States flag on your chest, you should have a little bit of pride. And I know a lot of people that would. And maybe that's why we got our ass kicked. And I hope it doesn't happen next time because losing it in Europe is it's fourth throw we haven't done it in 30 something years so it's not at the end of the day it's forgivable but if you come back and you lose at home at best page especially if Tiger Woods happens to be the captain all hell is going to break loose uh fellas let's go ahead and do this let's go ahead and hit a break here on the 73rd hole podcast after the break we'll get into the format of the TGL events that was announced today if you want to see all the hot golf news in the world of golf in the state of oklahoma follow at the 73rd hole on x and at 73rd hole on instagram also follow us on spotify and apple it's absolutely free and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a great episode like this one sam humphreys taylor williams jim woodward with you after the break here on oklahoma's leader in golf the 73rd hole podcast Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. 
Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at McRaeRoofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. back here on the 73rd hole podcast the official podcast of golf oklahoma sam humphreys taylor williams jim woodward with you and fellas we were talking about the tgl and the politics of it all last segment no john rom involved with the tgl as of today but the format did come out and fellas the first event well obviously we've talked about this in the past will be on January 9th, and obviously in an arena on January 9th. And, fellas, the way they are going to do this, it will be a 15-hole match with three of four golfers from each team playing, nine holes of what they call triples, alternate shot three-on-three. The six holes of singles head-to-head, one-on-one for two holes each. Then you have one point per hole one, zero points if you tie the hole. Overtime is closest to the pin until one team hits two shots closer than the other. And it's like an oversized simulator with some green that has technology that we can't even comprehend we'll see if this works and see if this is entertaining it's going to be on espn right guys and so uh we'll see if it's entertaining to watch in person we'll see if it's entertaining to watch on tv i am definitely going to watch anything tiger woods is involved in even though i disagreed with how they kind of hid the fact that they were paying these guys guaranteed money. That's the PGA Tours thing. I'm still going to watch the product for the golf, just like I did with Liv, and we'll see if we like it, see if we don't like it. Uh, fellas, what are your thoughts on the first part of this format? I'm extremely excited to watch this as well, Sam. I believe the first one is on January 9th, at least that's what's scheduled at this point. And it says that every single match will be at, I believe, the SoFi Center, which is in Orlando, or, or I'm sorry, Palm Beach Gardens is where it is. So they'll all be down in Florida. So that'd be intriguing to see. They've already come out with some team names. You have Atlanta Drive, Boston Common, Los Angeles Golf Club, TGL New York, and TGL San Francisco. So very interesting to see how they incorporate all of this going into it. And it's a very unique format as well with uh, all the things you just detailed, Sam. And one of the things that intrigues me, and I want to get your opinion on this, Woody, this overtime portion where you have to get two shots closer than the other team, what happens if someone hits it to three inches and the next team hits it to two inches? How in the world are you ever – you're going to be here for eight years trying to figure out an overtime winner. So there has to be some other thing if some in a situation like that occurs. You know, this is really interesting to me. I can't wait to watch it. I, I don't know if it's going against football. You guys will have to tell me on it's that. It's not. I January it 9th, at least, uh, the first one will not go up against football. It's on a Tuesday evening. Yeah, that's where, if they're smart, that's where they go with this. But, guys, this is this is so far out of the box. This is like nothing we have ever seen or even had a chance to see in golf. Simulated golf and making it look real, I mean, this is it's some cool stuff. I hope it works. I hope it's successful. I, I'm, I'm like you all. I got to watch it just to see what it is. 
So, well, well, here, one, one point I'll, I'll say just, just for yeah. Woody. The last Monday night football game is December 30th. So anything that is in the 2024 yep. will not uh, conflict with football, at least on Mondays. Gotcha. That's and good. I think the uh, national championship for football is January 8th, if I'm not mistaken, on that Monday before this. So uh, sports fans will have this to look forward to on that Tuesday, January 9th. Um, fellas, real quick. Uh, the one team that we do know, that one team of four that we do know, is Rory McIlroy, Tyrrell Hatton, Adam Scott, and Keegan Bradley. They will be called Boston Common Golf, and they are uh, sponsored by the Fenway Group, which uh, you may have heard because the Fenway Sports Group is also trying to invest in the PGA Tour. Um Guys, what are your thoughts on the one full team that we know of right now? Obviously, other names. Justin Thomas is a part of the Atlanta Drive Golf Club. Colin Morikawa, Los Angeles Golf Club. Those are the only guys we know for sure are on teams. Uh, we know for sure their team names right now. Guys like Tiger, Cantlay, Ricky, Max Homa, Xander. We could go on down the list of all the guys in the TGL. Everybody else, we do not know what team they're on yet. So there's a little bit to be determined on this for sure, but the first team in Boston is a very, very strong team there for sure. So it'll be interesting. I'm interested to see who's going to be on Tiger's team. That's going to be very intriguing. See, so yeah, a lot of moving parts here still to this, and just the fact that we now know the format, but just being able to see it and interpret it in our minds is, is something that's been really hard to do up to this point. So I'm very, very excited to see how it turns out, and maybe it's just optimist in me, but I really do think it's going to be a success. I truly do. I think, guys, I think it's so far out of the box, it could really be something special. It, I, one of two things is going to happen, I think. It's going to be the biggest hit you've ever seen, or it's going to be the biggest flop you've ever seen. I'm not sure which, but I don't think it's going to be a flop. I really don't. So uh, not with the names you've got. As long as Tiger's involved in it, I, it's got to be successful, in my opinion. When our listeners can tweet at us, uh, and give their opinion as well. But I'll ask you guys this and our listeners listening at home. If, for instance, Tiger brought the TGL to Oklahoma City and they had it at the Paycom Center, would you go watch? How much would you pay uh, to go watch? And uh, would you watch this on TV if nothing else was going on, T-Dub, as a golf fan? Oh, 100%. If, they, if it's in Dallas, if Tiger Woods is going to be there, I'm going out of my way. No doubt. Name your price. I'm going to check this out for sure. So, yeah, I'm extremely intrigued. I, I truly hope that it doesn't fall through. Maybe I'm just – that what I am envisioning seems extremely cool. Maybe I'll see it and be like, oh, okay, I exaggerated exactly what this would be. But I don't think that would be the case. I think there's a lot – it's kind of like what he said. It's so out of the box that you – the fact that we don't know how it's going to happen, if it comes out and it just is in, able to ignite that flame and, and be able to attract the non-casual golf fan. I think that's going to be the pivotal point on if it succeeds in the ratings and things like that. But as far as if they eventually start to travel, if it does become more successful, if it comes within eight hours of us and Tiger Woods is going to be there, sign me up. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me that you guys would go wherever Tiger would go? Uh, you know, I'm, it's going to be past my bedtime probably. So and I'm not really big on watching other people play golf. I, I I enjoy it a little bit, but I'd rather see it on TV. So uh, I'm not going to buy a ticket for it. But that's because I'm old and I don't really care about that kind of stuff. That has nothing to do with whether it's going to be successful, okay? 
Okay, that's golf nerds like us. Now, T-Dub, let me ask you this. Do you think that the casual sports fan, maybe a person that likes to go to the occasional Thunder game in Oklahoma City, do you think they would pay to go watch golf just because it's Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy? If you have Tiger Woods there and you market it the right way, it's going to be a massive success. We could just look at, especially here in Oklahoma, just look at how the PJ Championship was last year and how Liv Tulsa was at Cedar Ridge this year. They were both massive hits. There was tons of people there. So you get, this state is craving competitive golf. And you get some of the best golfers in the world to come in your state. There's going to be people lined up the door to see it, in my opinion. So, like I said, could be the optimist in me, but uh, I do think that is how it would happen. Fellas, let me tell you how big of a needle mover Tiger Woods is. Is They've been planning to make this road uh, behind my house called Waterloo. They've been planning to make that a four-lane road to I-35 ever since I've been a member out here at Oak Tree. Uh, and finally, they're deciding to make Waterloo a four-lane road to get ready for the 2027 U.S. Senior Open that's going to be out at Oak Tree, and they think that if Tiger Woods plays, we're going to have to make that road a four-lane road, Woody. Yeah, now, I, I didn't know about that. I've been waiting for a long time for that to be a four-lane road. Um, I think that's pretty cool, though. Uh, I, I'm, if, if Tiger Woods got them to do it, I don't care. I think that's great. <laughs> as long as they make that a four-lane road, I'm going to be really excited about that. But I like your thoughts, Sam. I think, I think you might be spot on with it. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing, but there would be no other reason to do it from uh, Oak Tree straight to I-35 other than the fact that the Senior U.S. Open is coming and possibly Tiger Woods as well. The last thing on the TGL, fellas, is the playoffs will be four of six teams qualifying. Uh, Single elimination semifinal matches, two teams left standing uh, play in a best of three championship series. So we'll see how this goes. We'll watch it. We'll recap it. We'll give you our honest thoughts on the TGL when it comes up on January 9th and give any news like we have with John Rom today in the meantime. Uh, speaking of Tiger Woods, quickly, fellas, we saw him walking up and downstairs at an event yesterday. Uh, does that get you more excited that we might see more Tiger Woods in 2024, T-Dub? It truly does, actually. I've I've officially gotten to the point, especially after what I've seen this last year of Tiger, where I'm if anything that happens, I have no standard set for if he'll be able to play good golf again or not. There are a lot of rumors that have been circling around about him trying to play more, obviously trying to get ready for either either both the Hero and the PNC Championship, or at least one of the two. And the rumor is that he would try to play in the Hero, so that would be extremely exhilarating or if he was. Or the TGL. And the TGL, we know for a fact he's going to do that, but I feel like that he can he can stand up and hit a golf shot. He's even said that forever. Hitting a golf ball is not the problem. It's the being able to walk o- across the golf course. So that'll be what we'll see. He'll be able to use a cart in the PNC, so I would put my money on at least that being the case. But the, what we all as Tiger Woods fans want to see him at Augusta National in 2024. Will that happen? I can't doubt the man at this point of the stage, Woody, but I'm not going to have any expectation that that will be the case. I think we've, I think we've been kind of let down so many times because they hide how really hurt he is. Uh, you know, he won't let you know he's hurt. And, and if, until we see, you know, real golf guys, I think we're, we can always get excited. And, and I think the TGL is going to help. I think if we get to see him 
play golf without having to make him walk, which is big, because <laughs> it looks like that's what he struggles with. And so I'm with you guys. He moves the needle so much. Anything we can get with him involved in it, as far as golf goes, for as long as we can keep him around, uh, we need to do it. No doubt. Fellas, I saw him live at Augusta last year, this past year, and everything looks great, kind of like we saw at Southern Hills when he's just hitting balls on the range. You're like, yes, this guy can you know, compete again, but then you watch him walk the golf course, and especially if you get cold, wet conditions like you had at Augusta National, uh, his body broke down on him, and he even made the cut at the PGA, and his body broke down on him. I'm going to have to see it, and I'm one of the biggest Tiger Woods fans on the planet. I would never bet against Tiger competing again. However, I think it's a massive long shot for him to ever compete again on the PGA Tour. Uh, our last topic of the day, fellas, two Corn Ferry Tour members were suspended for sports betting. Uh, Vince India and Jake Stiano were suspended for placing bets on PGA Tour events. I, I don't know if we know what specific bets they placed, but... Guys, real quick, I'll just start off. I think it's absolutely ridiculous to suspend two guys trying to make their career uh, for six months. You're talking about the feeder tour to one step away from getting your PGA Tour card, and you're going to suspend a guy because he bet 25 bucks that, uh, like one of them I heard was Bryson DeChambeau making a birdie. Are you kidding me? What a joke that is. And you have the PGA Tour, you know, advertising, betting, and DraftKings on a daily basis. So does the Golf Channel. So do we. It's everywhere. Vince India betting on whether Colin Morikawa makes a birdie or wins a golf tournament has no bearing on the golf tournament. You can't rig golf, T-Dub. It's too hard. 100%. And just to clarify, they were not betting on tournaments that they were playing in. They weren't on Tuesday afternoon on the range and hearing – Oh, homeboy tweaked his elbow. He's going to try to play, but he's more than likely going to miss the cut. He's just giving it his best shot. And you find a matchup bet with him or something like that. Because even if, if you saw the opposite of it, where you just saw some guy striping it on the range, as you said, you could put a little bit of money on him to win. The odds of him winning are still extremely low. So I get the, the sense of you don't want there to be any inside train, but it wasn't even tournaments that they were playing in. And then you have the hypocrisy of, the PGA Tour and the DraftKings are, are official betting operators, which is absolutely insane. They just extended their contract not too long ago. It, the hypocrisy is crazy to me, Woody. And then the length of it is what is excruciating. To, to put into clarification how good these players are, since India finished 129th on the Corn Ferry standings and the uh, other Jake Stasiano was 169th. So they were still not horrible players by any stretch. They weren't obviously at the top. I feel like one of the things that you'll see in a lot of areas is that the better the better you are at your craft, the more they let you get away with. So they're probably making an example of these two guys, and it's an absolute shame to see them get suspended for that long because it's going to put an extremely big dent in their chances of getting their PGA Tour cards next year and then all the time and money they put into this point for something that is extremely, extremely not a heinous crime whatsoever. But it is, it is a shame to me. It truly is. It was pretty bogus. When I read it, I had to read it more than once. I, I actually read it twice because I thought, really? You're suspending these guys for this? Uh, you know, the PGA Tour, they make examples of people that 
they don't care about. We've all had this. We've had that discussion. The PGA Tour only cares about about 25 guys. Everybody else doesn't matter. So this was kind of uh, just right up their alley of how they pick on the poor guys that needed the most to get a chance to get out there and get on tour. They just kind of put a nail in their coffin is what they did. But I did have one question before we were going to leave, guys, and it has nothing to do with gambling. And this was a question I wanted to ask you. Who had the better year this year? Was it Victor or was it Taylor Gooch? It's a good question. I would I would say Victor Hovland because of how he played in the major championships. I mean, at Augusta, he was up there. What did he finish? Seventh, and that was about the worst he could have finished. Obviously, he was one shot away from being right there with Brooks Kepka at the PGA. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, at the British Open, he played solid, too. So, I mean, and then you go on to win the FedEx Cup, and you're one of the hottest golfers in the world. I would say it's Victor Hovland, uh, but no other American won in 2023 more than Taylor Gooch. So it's a good question, but I would still go with Victor Hovland, T-Dub. There's a lot of different ways you can look at this. You can look at just the financial aspect, and we detailed earlier, $35 million versus $33 million. Anyone would take either number, but $2 million, that's nothing to uh, to just throw under the rug and say that that wasn't important. So you look at it from that perspective. You can also look at it from the perspective of a lot more people before the season would have said Victor Hovland would have been the FedEx Cup champion than Taylor Gooch being the, the live player of the year. Even though we all know how good Taylor Gooch is, at least in the game of golf, he was more known for what he said about the Ryder Cup and live Portland than he was necessarily his game. And he came out this year and made a statement. It was a beautiful thing to see. So you look at it from that perspective, and you could also look at it as you detailed, Sam, how Victor Hovland did in the majors, and then Taylor Gooch didn't get to play in the U.S. Open for atrocious reasons. But that's something you have to look at, unfortunately. And you look at the aspect of Victor Hovland was on a winning Ryder Cup team. So I think, for me, that's probably the tiebreaker in all, Woody. I would go ahead and give it to Hovland. I think that before, or just before that point, at least as, and leading up even until August, the, the start of August before Hovland won the BMW and Tour Championship, you probably would have said Taylor Gooch had a better year. But then after that, the, what happened, what Hovland did from the middle of August all the way through the end of the Ryder Cup, I think, sealed the deal for me. Well, see, that's the reason why I wanted to ask the question because we, we always talk about how honest we all are about our golf reporting, okay? And, and granted, I think we are too, guys. I think, I think what we, we, we talk about, we try to be as honest as we can be. So when you get right down to it, Sam, you hit it best and so do you, T-Dub. I'm impressed with both unbelievable years. But when you look at Victor playing what he did in the majors, that's the only reason why I go with Victor. And I just want our listeners to understand uh, your relationship with especially PG are, are, are you guys really close, but you don't let that get in the way. You say, okay, let's look at what we got here. I'm proud of both of you. You looked at it the way you should look at it and you did the right thing. It was Victor Hobbling guys. It really was because of his majors. It was, but unfortunately, we won't be able to compare any majors with Taylor Gooch next year, which is an absolute joke, fellas. So hopefully we get something changed as far as the rules in that regard, that one of the hottest players in the world that we're asking a question is, did player A or player B, like Victor Hovland, uh, have the better year? I think that it's absolutely ridiculous. We need to get that fixed. Uh, Fellas, the last thing I was going to say, I wanted to say one more thing on the uh, betting situation. You can't compare it to anything. 
right? You can't compare it. It's not like a quarterback betting on his own team because there's multiple ways to rig that game. It's not even like a a college football player betting on college football. This is more along the lines of a minor league baseball player betting on the World Series. It has no bearing on the actual game, uh, T-Dub. And, you know, I just hate to see these guys get six months of a suspension because they literally did something that had no bearing on the sport. And, yes, I am very against players betting on or against their own teams in the world of professional sports, but this was nothing like that, and you should not treat these guys, Vince India and Jake Stiano, like that. And I, I get it, especially now with daily betting and how fast you can place a wager. There's a lot of different ways you can make a bet. You could do, for example, what we were talking about earlier with the Bryson. Is he going to make a birdie on this hole or not? Or in football, you can have this player have 150 yards or not. But generally, when you look at the history of potentially rigging or knowing a sport, it's usually a team versus team, right? You, you have a 50-50 chance at the end of the day, flip a coin, on if one team or not. If you're just betting on straight golf players, you have 144 chances of getting right. It's, you have less than, point, less than 1% chance of being accurate. So, yes, they, it is a complete apples and oranges argument at the end of the day. And then, as I detailed earlier, the hypocrisy of it and then how much time and effort these two guys have essentially put into what they want to be their, their careers and their livelihoods. And then to make an example of them and do it like this, it, it makes me sick to my stomach. I'm like, Woody, when I first saw it, I thought it was a joke. Like, I had to look at multiple sources to figure out if this happened or not. It was it, It's a shame it truly is. And I hope that – I don't know if there's an appeal process. I don't think they, they stand a chance if, even if that does happen. But at the end of the day, I wish – hopefully God somehow makes it right because it is a shame that they're going to more than likely have their careers ruined because of something extremely ignorant. Yeah, breaking news. Golfers like to gamble. <laughs> Am I right? It's, it's very similar to – like if you're going to write a ticket for someone going five over the speed limit. It's like everyone does it. There's – it's people that don't gamble and play golf. It's, it's in the point oh oh one percent at the end of the day. And even people, the people that play in their tournaments are probably less than 3%. So it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous to me. And then the length of it was crazy. If you wanted to slap them with a couple hundred dollar fine, that wouldn't have been the end of the world. But trying to give them such a long deal and even just say, hey, miss one tournament or something like that. Even that, I think, is a little extreme. But that's yeah. what they should have done instead of six months. I mean, give me a break. I know, I know. And then you have, you know, the PGA Tour giving sponsors exemptions to Lexi Thompson, right? Instead of these guys yeah, that could exactly. have possibly gotten gonna, their PGA ban, Tour card. Yeah, let's, let's ban two guys for betting $15, and then let's let Lexi Thompson play the tournament instead. Sounds like a brilliant idea to me. What a joke. Uh, T-Dub, we will cover the Worldwide Technologies Championship next week Uh any other thoughts on the world of golf this week? I know we're doing it on a Thursday. We normally do earlier on in the week. Been swamped with football season. Tita, actually, any thoughts on Bedlam coming up this weekend? The last Bedlam game of all time? Oh, I am I am extremely excited for this game. I'm actually going to get to go to the game. So I am very, very thrilled Beautiful. about getting to check the last Bedlam of maybe our lifetimes in person. That's going to be extremely good. I'm not very optimistic on our Sooners' chances. They have looked very bad ever since the Texas game. we got a lot of injuries on the plate. OSU, 
a month ago thought, well, is this team even going to make a bowl game? And all of a sudden, they somehow rode the ship and have been playing a lot better football as of recently. We know that crowd in Stillwater is going to be absolutely electric. So my my expectation level is not very high. I hope that Gundy traditionally does what he does and just coaches like a complete buffoon, and that will greatly heighten our chances. Or maybe we can just get out to the hot start like we did last year where we scored 28 points in the first quarter and then decide not to score again and somehow the defense steps up. But then they say, I think there's too many injuries for my Sooners. And if I have, was a bet man, I bet OSU. But I'm uh, maybe it's just optimism. Me though, you will get it done. It's what they've done what ninety times compared to twenty or whatever the record is. So maybe it's just that. But I'm I'm not extremely optimistic on their chances. Well, OU's going to win, T-Dub. they got to throw the ball more than they did last week against Kansas, that's for sure. We just talked about Victor Hovland and, and Taylor Gooch, two great Cowboys. Uh, probably the best player on the field this weekend will be a Cowboy and Ollie Gordon leading the country in rushing. I can't wait to watch the last Bedlam game. Everyone around here, enjoy that and enjoy the golf over the weekend. Like I said before the break, you guys can catch us anywhere on social media. X, it's at the 73rd hole. Instagram, it's at 73rd hole. You can also go to the sportsanimal.com podcast page and golfoklahoma.org. You can also, please do this for us, Follow the 73rd Hole podcast that you're probably listening to this on Apple. Just hit the three dots, hit follow. It helps us out, and it will just give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode. It's absolutely free. Thank you, T-Dub. Thank you, Woody. This has been Sam Humphreys on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole podcast. <laughs>